All right, everyone. Welcome in to this week's episode of the Insta Review Podcast. Apple the epitome of brutality because it is going to be a brutal week, I think, for some of us to discuss our favorite teams. My friend Gustavo Tomizay from Brazil wishing us a happy show. Thank you so much, Gus. But what a weekend of divisional round football. Probably the greatest single weekend of uh, football perhaps ever played, even if uh, for many of us it was heartbreaking. So it is time to begin breaking it down. My name is Nicholas Hill. Joining me is Leon Terrion, Connor Kennedy, and Oscar Arango. Guys, how are we feeling after the weekend we just witnessed of NFL football? Y'all will see. Once I get into my hot take, trust me. I think it's definitely more exciting. Like we we have we have a we've had upsets already. We got the number one seeds out, so like it's anybody's game. Like it's not obvious anymore who's gonna win. So it's gonna be you gotta watch it to see what's gonna happen. So I think yeah, I think for me it's more exciting. I'm happy for Connor too. Well, not so much actually. Never mind. Take that back. <laughs> I saw in NFL memes that the real championship should be the Chiefs playing the Bills, a best out of seven series. That would be wild. Oh yeah, I wish. If we could like get Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen like playing seven games straight, be a lot of injuries, but amazing quarterback play. Yeah, I will say this: after watching the Chiefs Bills game, I felt a little bit better with my Titans losing because right now I don't know if the Titans would have had any shot against either one of those teams, just with the way they are playing, uh, the way they were playing. Because, well, unfortunately, our season is also over, but. We're going to get to all that and much more, but I'm going to send it on over to Leon to kind of get us kicked off. And we're not going to actually start with either one of our teams. We're going to kind of start with uh, the probably the most shocking result of the weekend, at least in my opinion. Aaron Rodgers still can't beat the 49ers in the postseason. He is now 0-4 against San Francisco. What a win, 13-10, and 10, the San Francisco 49ers. No offensive or defensive touchdown. The special teams was clutch the entire game. A blocked field goal by the 49ers to end the half, and a blocked punt return for a touchdown, followed by the Robbie Gold game winner late in the fourth. And we pretty much, we had four game winners this weekend. But, wow, the Packers are not advancing, and it's a big shock, and my hot take is I think Aaron Rodgers is going to Denver next year. He has two solid running backs there, three great receivers, a young and up-and-coming defense. I think Denver is the best place for him and where he should go to get a fresh start and possibly one last championship run. I don't think he retires this season. I will say this. Aaron Rodgers, we all know he's a very prideful guy. Like He's not going to back down from – who he is or what he believes, whether it's right or wrong, you know, whatever opinions you want to have on Aaron Rodgers. And obviously he's going to try, I think, not to go out the way that he did. Cause that was, that would be a pretty pathetic way to go out. I mean, you only have one, one touchdown drive. And that's your very first touchdown, uh, first drive of the game. Only score three points afterwards. Can't move the ball for the majority of the rest of the game. And even when you do, your special team screws you over. I mean, Madison Crosby has a kick blocked, um, because you miss a wide-open man on third down, you have to set your punt team out on fourth down. That gets blocked. 
And it just, when you had a chance to win the game with four minutes left, you went three and out again. I, sh- I mean, obviously we can blame all this, this game on the special teams if you want to. And, and they certainly had a big part of why the Packers lost. And I'm sure they're going to the Oscar here because I know he's been uh, warning Packers fans of that potential outcome throughout the season. But um, Aaron Rodgers just didn't get it done. And that's the kind of going to be the bitter taste that Green Bay fans are going to have for years to come because they've had Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers back-to-back for the last 30 years. I mean, there's people who are grown adults who have only known elite quarterback play in Green Bay. And they only have two Super Bowls to show for it. And, yeah, that's two more Super Bowls than a lot of people have gotten to see. But they should have had much more than that. They should have had, I think, at least four to five minimum. And that's not the way it's going to go. And I think they're going to have to suffer for a little bit because I don't believe in Jordan Love. Um, They're $45 million over the cap right now. They're not going to be able to re-sign a lot of these guys like Devontae Adams, uh, for example, is one of their key pieces uh, amongst others. It's going to be... I think a rough offseason. I don't know how to replace everybody. I mean, their drafting hasn't been the best anyway. I don't think that's going to just magically improve. Yeah, I think it's going to be a while for the Packers. Well, I mean, I think the game. I think the game. Yeah, it was disappointing. You could almost feel like Aaron Rodgers' like tension like throughout the game as he saw mistakes that weren't necessarily his. Like change the direction of the game and keep like just snowballing further and further and further. Um, yeah, this game was all 49ers. There was them on the defense. It was them on, on special teams. It was them on offense. The special teams was terrible in this game. It's, it was it was like there was no fundamentals at all on special teams. And special teams is like the most like fundamental heavy sport. Like you need to know you have like three plays, right? Your punts, kicks, and returns. That's all you got to do. Um, so it's uh, – it's crazy that you have all those kind of plays. And it really came down to, like, who could do the least amount of penalties. Um, it was the one who made the least amount of mistakes in this game. Uh, 49ers, ugly game for them to win, but they won. Uh, a lot of heroes, uh, Debo Samuel, Robbie Gold, they were already mentioned. Uh, it was it was really good football to watch. Um, but it was kind of like – it was almost like the 49ers-Cowboys game where you – don't really expect the 49ers to come out on top because it's supposed to be a better team. And somehow they, they figure it out. They step up. They get the job done. Their defense is a big part of that, obviously, because what, what was the over-under last week for this game? Like 30 points, 30-something points. We were debating if it was going to go that high, um, and it definitely didn't. So I think the 49ers get to take away, like, hey, my our defense is legit. We can actually control teams if we if we do it this way. And Debo Samuel, like we said last week, is the key. He's the guy that makes that offense make sense. And about Aaron Rodgers, I really don't – I don't know where he's going to go. I think uh, Denver is a good fit. We know there's a lot of uh, quarterback-hungry teams. Miami, I mean, is one. Uh, is the Jets – can the Jets be considered and the Giants considered maybe one of these like quarterback-hungry teams that might I can say the bring Giants in a veteran? Are- I think the Jets are going to give Zach Wilson another shot. Hey. Um, the Jets did get Brad Favre after his heyday. Why wouldn't they go out there and get uh, Aaron Rodgers, right? But uh, Hey, should he go to the Vikings? Yo, yeah. Why not? He, he could go to the Bears considering he owns them. So I, I think they'd be cool with it. Dude, Chicago well, Bears, he doesn't want imagine. 
Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, he said on the Pat McAfee, not on Pat McAfee show, he said uh, he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild in this post-game interview. So it's like, I was thinking either, either Denver. The Bears, the Bears are legit, though. I think they're legit. I think they can be legit. I think Fields has. I thought that Fields was the best QB in this draft personally, and I thought uh, a lot of teams should have drafted him earlier. But uh, yeah, I think Denver is just the perfect spot. There's just so much that looks appealing there. And uh, uh, Peyton Manning uh, went out on top in Denver. Why can't Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. Um, that, that... Go ahead. Sorry. Um, but something that I, w- I was talking about a little bit with Nick and Leon before the show started, that, that was kind of the last year that the Packers could have truly contended for a title. I mean, like, maybe they could next year. But but looking at some of the free agents uh, that they got coming up this offseason, obviously Devontae Adams, their, their wide receiver one, uh, he was trying to, you know, negotiate with them so he could be the highest paid wide receiver in the league. They said we're not doing that, so they might try to franchise tag him, but it's it's going to be really expensive. Um, and on top of that, they got Robert Tunyon that they got to resign, Devontae Campbell. Uh, I mean, MVS. They might have to cut Randall Cobb, considering I think he's owed about nine million. Um, I, I don't know what Zedarius Smith's status is. You know, just a, a lot of really important pieces of this Packers team. They, they might not be able to retain them, especially considering that they're, I think, about like $46 million over the cap. I mean, of course, they could do some gymnastics, you know, kick the can uh, a year or two or, or whatnot. But, you know, they're, they're staring down the barrel of a rebuild. And, of course, Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be in Green Bay for a rebuild. Um, but just, just thinking about Aaron Rodgers' legacy – in Green Bay and in the history of this franchise, you know, like Nick said, the past 30 years, they've had two like most definite Hall of Fame quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers, and they only have two Super Bowls to show for it. Um, and besides that Super Bowl, Aaron Rodgers' postseason career hasn't been that great. I mean, he's, his team's like choked in a bunch of different NFC championship games, playing Seattle, playing Atlanta, of course, playing the Niners, you, you know, um, whether it's on the defense, on special teams, on him. You, you know, it's it's been a pretty disappointing career for Aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, who knows if he stays in Green Bay, if he gets traded, if he ends up retiring. Um, I personally don't think he does. But, you know, still, just to think, like, oh, of course, there's, there's a lot of franchises, like my Bills, like the Titans, you know, like the Browns, who've never – seen a Super Bowl win for their franchise, but still, when you have a quarterback as talented as Aaron Rodgers, you know, he's still playing at a high level. Uh, it's it's just really disappointing to see the results that they've garnered up. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just the truth. And you got to wonder when they're going to be able to be competitive again, because you got to write this ship got to figure out Jordan Love is going to be the next guy or not. I, I do like some of the pieces they have on defense, but, you know, with the cap restructuring that you're going to have to do, how many of those people are going to have to let go? I mean, it's uh, – I think it's going to be a rough turn of events here. Now, the one positive they do have is they're in one of the weakest divisions in the entire league. Um, the Vikings have to restructure their entire defense. The Lions are, 
are the Lions. Although I do like Darren Campbell. I think he can rebuild, but I think they're going to have to find a new quarterback to build around eventually, but I do like some of the pieces they have. The Bears, I, I like the defensive pieces there. Justin Fields might have potential. We'll see what they go, uh, what they do with their head coaching opening. Now, there's still definitely a chance for the Packers to make the playoffs next year in this division because I think their be- greatest challenge is probably the Vikings. But I don't see them being able to compete with the, like the Bucks and the Rams and some of these other top teams in the NFC to make it back to the NFC title game without Aaron Rodgers. And I'll say this, in terms of places where he could go, Denver is definitely one. I was thinking New Orleans, but with some of the, with the breaking news today of Sean Payton being out, I don't think that's going to be a likelihood at this point. Um, I think Pittsburgh could be a, an interesting place. And honestly, the team he just lost to, San Francisco, you know, We'll see how much they believe in Trey Lance right now, but um, they could take a shot. I mean, potentially. Uh, I I'd, I'd keep uh, Jimmy Garoppolo if I were the 49ers. Yeah, I, mean, Garoppolo... a, I mean, he's a winner when he's on the field. Yeah, but what did Jimmy Garoppolo do in this game to win? Wins are not a QB yeah. stat. Yeah, right, but, not, uh, no, but no, like going back to week 18, do you think Trey Lance could have made a comeback and beaten the Rams? I mean, he's mm, not right. right now. He He's no. still pretty rough. I don't think Trey Lance could have beaten the Cowboys. I understand like Garopp, he's playing through a hurt shoulder and a hurt thumb, but to win that game, I thought that was big. And even in the first quarter, he threw a pass to Kittle, that Kittle dropped, that could have been gone for a touchdown on that first drive. Oscar, I don't know if it's fair to say that, that Garoppolo won those games, though. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm not saying won. I'm saying he's a winner on, on the field. His winning percentage is high on the field. Right, right. I see your point. Yeah, but it was like he was playing winning football on Saturday, though. I mean, he literally threw a devastating interception in the first half. And when they had the opportunity to tie the game deep. And they really, they were able to rush the ball effectively there in the second half, which gave them... The, the two field goal drives they needed. And, of course, the touchdown was off a blocked punt. So, yeah, he might technically have gotten the win as a starting quarterback. But he, te- he really made more mistakes than Rodgers did. It was just the special teams was that much worse than the Packers. That's what made the difference here. So, I, I still think Garoppolo is going to be done in San Francisco after this year, even if they somehow yeah. beat the Rams and go to Super Bowl, just because I think the rest of the 49ers roster is that good that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are g- trying to find the quarterback that's going to take them to the next level because they're hoping that Trey Lance is Patrick Mahomes, basically. But if he isn't, then you got to be willing to make a big moves because you have so much talent elsewhere. I mean, you don't want to waste a guy like Debo Samuel. You don't want to waste Elijah Mitchell. You don't want to waste Fred Warner and Nick Boza and everyone else that you have. No, I, I understand completely. I just wanted to bring up, like, uh, Garoppolo's been to the NFC Championship twice in three years. Do you think even with that winning record, you still think they'd move on from him? I just think, I just think, if this guy's a winner on the field, I'd keep him. Yeah, obviously, it's going to have to be a top tier guy like Rogers. If you can't get him, then I think you probably stick with Garoppolo. Um, what if, if Garoppolo won a Super Bowl? Would you still keep him? I think it also depends on the market. You know, like it's not just like. Who who am I keeping? It's who's available, you know. And what's the guy? This guy going to cost to keep? 
versus what that guy's going to cost to get. Like, that's just how football is. Like, if they have to say, hey, you know, we either way, we still need a way for Trey Lance to, to develop. We just need an interim quarterback. Garoppolo, are you going to be the, the sufficiently good enough, like, Teddy Bridgewater type uh, quarterback? Uh, I don't know. I don't know who else played a, kind of like a manager role this year, but like that, that, that would be his role next year as well. Cause you have an outstanding defense. You have an outstanding running game. Um, you can do all those things. So all you need is like a game manager type guy until your guy, your guy of the future, theoretically Trey Lance develops to being that guy, you know, cause either way next year is an interim quarterback. Garoppolo is like not the quarterback for the future for the 49ers. I think we all understand that. Because um, it reminds me of it's all a really early Tom Brady, like from the early 2000s, Tom Brady, before he bought more with like Randy Moss and really started putting together really big time productive seasons. Because um, it's just it's a very similar situation to that. I mean, Tom Brady was able to win those, those Super Bowls. I mean, obviously, as we've pointed out numerous times on the show between Connor and I, you know, it wasn't like he was the driving force around those Super Bowls, but, you know, he did what he had to do. Can Jimmy Garoppolo do the same thing? Yeah. Uh, would you uh, keep him know. if he won the Super Bowl? Like each one of you, I just wanted to hear your thoughts on that. I think Listen. you have to. Yeah, sure. You won a Super Bowl. <laughs> you won another year. But I, I don't think he'd be like paid like a premier quarterback position. He'd probably be like an inter- intermediate guy. Because uh, I think, I mean, his performance itself like speaks for itself. Like you just be like, yo, roll the tape. This is why we gave you this contract. It's not a Super Bowl champion quarterback contract. It would be ridiculous. I'd be like giving. Joe Flacco, um, I forget what year it was, but they went real fall. They went into the Super Bowl, and then they gave him yeah, a fat, like, fat contract. And it's it was like a bad decision. Everybody in the league thought it was a bad decision. Why would you re-sign Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco was already over the hill. They had to keep him, I think, for like another two seasons. Um, well, Garoppolo's contract's already big, though. And then if they yeah. do re-sign him, it's definitely going to be something less, a lot less. Right. I hope so. Yeah. Let's see. Well, Here's what I think about it. Listen, so, like, I, I feel like even if Jimmy G ends up winning the Super Bowl or goes to the Super Bowl, I, I don't really see him winning a Super Bowl, uh, if I'm being honest. But if that does end up happening, hypothetically, I, I still – the two things for me, one, they, they – they invested too much into Trey Lance not to start him in year two. I mean, they, they traded up that first round pick and all that other draft capital over to the Dolphins to select Trey Lance to be the starting quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. And number two, like with with the, the quarterback market coming into this offseason, a lot of teams don't have too much faith in a lot of the incoming rookie quarterbacks. You know, they they don't want to they, they don't think that they'll win too many games at, at least um, within their like first season. They, they see a lot of these guys like Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis and Sam Howell is more of like uh, developmental guys, you know, that, that'll warm the bench. Um, so I, I think that there's a, a really big market for Jimmy Garoppolo in, in free agency. Um, if, if the Niners decide to trade him, I, I think they would get some, maybe not, I don't know about first round pick draft capital, but it, it would be relatively significant. I think probably more than what they even traded for Jimmy G when they, they brought him in from New England in 2017. You know, so I I think especially with them missing a first round pick, like maybe with the picks that they get 
by trading Jimmy G. Like they, they could trade up in the first round for another impact player um, and, you know, see, see what happens. But Trey Lance is the future of the 49ers. There's, I, I just don't think that there's room for Jimmy G in San Fran after this postseason run. And on top of that, like we were saying earlier, you know, Jimmy G hasn't really done anything to put the Niners in a position to win. A lot of the times it was their, their defense. It was Debo Samuel, uh, Juwan Jennings, you, you know, and of course their special teams also. Um, and in those games, like J- Jimmy G would throw for like a 57 passer rating, no touchdowns and a pick. So, it, you know, a lot of times within these games, which, and what I, I think about this, this NFC championship game, honestly, it, it just matters if Stafford throws more picks than Jimmy G for the Rams to win. But if, if they had, if the Rams or not Rams, if the 49ers had an elite quarterback, like they'd probably have that game in the back. And with Trey Lance's upside, they could potentially have that. And it, probably the, the best quarterback that they've had since Kaepernick, at, at least, you know, he had a pretty high peak in 2012. Um, so, so yeah. Jimmy G is still not the future, no matter what happens within these next couple of games. Yeah. And obviously we're going to talk way more about the 49ers at the end of, uh, as we get into our NFC title preview against uh, the Rams, but we're going to move on to Connor's key takeaway. And uh, I'm very curious to see your segment here because I just, I was heartbroken for you, man, that, I mean, one of the most intense, probably one of the greatest football games I've ever watched, but I can't imagine being a fan of the, of the losing team in a game like that. Yeah, it, that, that was an amazing game. Like, I I just kind of expected either team to, like, win that by two touchdowns, but it was close. It was a nail-biter. Like, in those last couple minutes, there were, like, two points when I, I thought that, that the Bills won it. Like, I, I was, like, at, at – um, Rec room, this this big bar in in Buffalo uh, that that was playing the game, and like I, I was just like jumping around in like a mosh pit, being like, "Bills are going to Super Bowl," you know. And then like the the defense can't hold a lead for 13 seconds. Um, but for for today's hot take, uh, I kind of wrote down a, a little tribute uh, to the this Bill season, uh, a eulogy, if you will. We're gonna cue the music right now. Bills Mafia, this looks like our season's come to a close. With it ending like we did a year prior, a heartbreaking loss at Arrowhead. Despite our team's best efforts, their camp- campaign ended in 13 seconds. 13 freaking seconds. All right. Jeez. All right. Sorry. There are some things that they can hang their hat on, like Josh Allen's stellar performances playing the Washington Military Industrial Complex, as well as in Gillette Stadium against the Patriots. Now, despite some tough losses, like losing comrade Trey, Ru- Trey White in a Thanksgiving thriller in New Orleans after he tore his ACL, the Wind Bowl Patriots game, the Jonathan Taylor coming out party, and losing to the Jaguars. Losing to the Jaguars. Like, seriously? The worst team in the league? Come on. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Anyways, despite all that, they grinded their way to 11 regular season wins and an AFC East title. Second in two years. And they followed that up 
by beating the crap out of our most hated division rival, the New England Patriots at home, in the most perfect offensive offensive game in NFL playoff history. And yet, their season ends in defeat. All right, I'm going to change up this music. I got to go off now. All right. Sorry about this pause. I, I just got to got to go off about this defense, all right? All right. Listen, Josh Allen plays like an absolute generational talent on Sunday night, all right? Like, he throws for four touchdowns over 300 yards, an amazing passer rating, nine touchdowns, no picks. Probably the best performance out of any quarterback in the postseason that hasn't gone to the Super Bowl. Gabe Davis looked like Jerry Rice out there. And y'all couldn't hold a lead? The 13 seconds? Come on. I, I mean, like, the pass rush was basically non-existent besides, like, a couple plays. You know, we couldn't tackle. And we couldn't cover Travis Kelsey and Tyreek Hill. All right. You, you know, not not the whole defense sold. But y'all sold, all right? And McDermott, Reggie Frazier, come on. Frazier, you, you really thought you were going to be the Bears head coach after this, didn't you? Well, now, now you're not. You're not going to be a head coach again, all right? Y'all sold. Jeez. Number one defense by half. Um, all right. Sorry about that. All right. I'm going to cap this off in a positive way. You know, if we have anything to hang our hat on, 2020 Josh Allen was not a fluke. 2020, 20, 2021 Josh Allen might be even better, at least in the postseason. You know, he, him and Patrick Mahomes are probably the best quarterbacks in the league right now. And this is going to be a Brady-Manning Brady rivalry for probably the next 10 to 15 years. Josh Allen is already the most talented quarterback that the Bills have ever had in franchise history. Yeah, I said it. And you know what? Hopefully this organization can change some narratives about the Buffalo Bills. Hopefully we'll have a ring. I mean, we're a Buffalo team, so that, that probably won't happen. But, you, you know, with Josh Allen, it's more than possible. So I'd like to thank this Buffalo Bills team for a great 2020-21 season. It was hard fought. Y'all earned another AFC title. We killed the Patriots. And while some of the guys in the locker room and coaching staff are departing, we have a promising future. Now let's discuss. All right. Thanks for entertaining me. Thank you. Awesome. Damn, damn, now I feel unprepared. Uh, <laughs> I've got like 20 – I got 20 minutes to figure out something for the Titans. But, um, yeah, I mean, you, you've hit the nail on the head and everything. I mean, there's really – I mean, obviously, yeah, obviously, I also the defense blowing the lead in 13 seconds. And, I mean, part of that is definitely the defense. I, I, the defensive play call in there, like the – I was thinking like they were in cover zero, I think, on that last play. That let Travis Kelsey get all the way down the field. Like, what are you doing? Why? I was screaming at the TV. Why in the world did you not have seven DBs back there? Like, ooh, like come on now. Like, they can't do anything else. Like, there's 10 seconds. Like, they're not going to run the ball. Um, but part of that is Patrick Mahomes, like, just being incredible. Like, he, yeah. I mean, he's making, he's definitely potentially on his way to making a serious argument one day for being the GOAT. Like, that, I mean, that's, that's the type of legendary moment that, um, gets you into that status but what's crazy is josh allen had like two or three of those moments too like the fourth and 13 
uh, completely out of Gabe Davis. <laughs> I'm like, oh, like my yeah. gosh. And then there's the two-point conversion and then leading the, the team down the drive in 45 seconds to what looked like at the time of win. I mean, that's the type of stuff, too, that we'll be talking about forever. I, I think that combined was – I don't think I've seen a game where both quarterbacks were just incredible like like that. Like that was the best dual or quarterback, the quarterback duel I've ever seen. And um, we're, we're going to get that a couple more times over this next decade. As you said, Brady v. Manning, of course, you got to ask what other quarterbacks are going to get themselves to the miss, right? Who's going to be the Roethlisberger to these two? Like is it going to be Herbert? Is it going to be Joe Burrow? I think those guys are going to have their chance. You know, Lamar Jackson um, and whoever else. Can Mac Jones ascend to that level? You know, that's a lot to be seen. And of course, Mahomes, he's going to have to deal with Herbert at two times a year. Um, right now, Josh Allen is going to have to deal with Mac Jones two times a year if he can develop. So it's, it, there's going to be a lot of exciting football here in the AFC. Um, when it comes to the Bills, I don't even know. Like, obviously – I mean, the defense was ranked number one, although it, it collapsed at the end. But they, they they played decently well in the first three quarters. It just it fell apart there. Yeah. Then when Patrick Mahomes had to become you know God <laughs> to win the game, <laughs> so it, it's just it, it is sometimes it just you, it is what it is. You're playing a, one of the greatest quarterbacks ever, and unfortunately the coin toss there didn't go your way. And I think that's one of the big conversation here is should the overtime rules change? Now the Kansas City Chiefs themselves were screwed by this a couple of years ago in the 2018 AFC title game. And a lot of people are saying that we should go to the college rules, or at least the college rules before this year, where both teams get possession. Now, put on the 25-yard line, like in college, would be stupid because NFL teams would score with impunity. But at least here's what I think should have happened. So Kansas City goes down scores. I think then Buffalo should have gotten the ball back. Let's say Josh Allen goes down, scores a touchdown, tie. Then the next possession is sudden death. So at the very least, the Bills, in theory, could have gotten two shots to stop Mahomes. Um, I think that would be the best way to do that, at least for the postseason, because I don't think you can do the college version of putting out the 25 or even like putting out like the 30, 35, something like that, because I, I think offenses are just too efficient in the NFL, at least for the most part, and they'll score a touchdown every single time. So what often happens in a college football game is when you get to overtime, Teams are just scoring back and forth, back and forth, and then you have to put it, and then you get to the two point conversions, and that's what ultimately decides it. Um, I don't, I don't know how you really fix that because it, it really is unfair that Josh Allen didn't get that opportunity to respond. No T, but at the same time, don't let them go down the field in 13 seconds and send it to OT. Yeah, it, it would be cool to kind of change some of those rules so that both teams got an equal shot at winning the game. Of course, I didn't think of that before this game, but I, yeah, it's, it's not a bad idea. I mean, the, the chiefs did try to change that rule after that AFC championship game. Um, but of course they were shut down by the rest of the league. Apparently, um, you, you know, who knows? I, I think it would be great if it would happen, but of, of course I, I think Roger Goodell would probably just be like, Oh, we're, we're going to pr- protect the players from injury. But yeah. Yeah. Like it should only happen in the postseason. Like I'm fine with sudden death in the regular season. Just because you have 17 games. One game isn't gonna make or break you. Um even at the end, like a week 18, like you had all season to avoid being in a make or break situation. But postseason, it is a make or break, and I think both teams deserve that opportunity. Make it NBA rules, maybe. Like whoever is the highest score at the end of overtime, 
moves on. Well, that's the reason why they changed it from before, because they'd be tied at overtime. Then you have a second overtime. Right. I mean, football <laughs> is such a physical sport. I honestly I, – I <laughs> Get tied again. I, I honestly know that it's like – I honestly think that even though it is physical, I think the fans would love it, though, a double overtime game. Like, the best overtime in sports to me is Stanley Cup overtime in, in the playoffs. Like, the intensity. Like, those dudes are having to hit each other hard – Sometimes for multiple overtimes, like I think it was the Columbus Blue Jackets and Tampa Bay Lightning a couple years ago went to five overtimes. They played hockey for like six hours, which is very, very hard to do. I mean, those dudes were on fumes by the end of that game. So, like, it's conceivable. Yeah, must have melted. <laughs> Every Canada, so they were fine. But uh, even if it was August. But, uh, yeah, I – I think that would be a certain solution. Like, of course, the five-minute basketball overtime is fine. Right. Um, I think MLB has extra innings, which, I mean, it's just – I mean, that's probably the most pure one as well. I don't know. Like, football is going to be the one, always going to be the one that's going to be the hardest to do. Right. I think I would take the cranky old man, like, perspective on this and think it's just, like – it's just, like, trying to rewrite history. Like, you knew the rules before you got into the game. Like, prepare for it. You know, like you knew what was going to happen if you got tied. You got to be ready for it. You know, your appointment opponent is. You should know what to do in the situation because you had all season or you had at least all week, if not all season, to prepare for this, for these situations. So you, you have to be ready for it. Like, hey, you, you know what the rules were. They never changed. They ha- Or they haven't changed, at least through the duration of the season. Like, you should be prepared, you know. So it's hard for me to be like, oh, you know what, like maybe if you got the ball back. No, you should stop the guy when you had a chance to stop the guy, there's a reason why you're tied to begin with. You know, like these are all just consequences of decisions that have built up. Now you got to be ready for the situations in front of you, do your job. And, I mean, it doesn't work out. There's supposed to be a winner, supposed to be a loser. Um, and, yeah, maybe if they figure out a different rule. But I think I think football has dealt with this in the past where there's almost – it's really hard because of so much parity – because there's so many things that can happen in the game. I mean, 13 seconds changed this game. Um, like in, in uh, Nick, your scenario, if you gave each one the ball, if the first guy kicked the field goal and the second guy kicks field goal, because now it's that possible, it's possible now that a, a kicker can get you to the 50-yard line and kick it and get you those three points. Like that's almost a, a for sure thing in some teams. Then you, you still have the same issue. You know, you still have that problem just gets worst as it goes. So I, I don't know that it's a good excuse to change the rule, but like the idea that people are complaining or that any Bills player is complaining about it, it's like, well, dude, this is how it was. You should have been ready for it. Sorry, guys. I mean, That's my old cranky I, stance. I, no, I, yeah, I agree. Cool. I don't want to show that yet, but we'll show that here in a little bit. But um, yeah, I it's just it. It really is just insane, though, how how that turned out, and mm-hmm. you know, it's just it's unfortunate that the uh, the Bills couldn't pull it out. But I, I, as I said, though, I I think they're gonna get multiple more opportunities at this, and it really feels like it's gonna be the Colts Patriots. You know, the Colts. It took them a couple of chance, tries to get past the Patriots, and I think when the Bills finally get past them, that'll be their golden Super Bowl opportunity. So we'll just have to uh, see how they move forward from here. Um, and obviously, we'll talk more about the Chiefs in the AFC title segment. But we'll send it down to Oscar. 
who wants to talk about what almost when history almost repeated itself on Saturday afternoon, but didn't happen. Yeah. I mean, the Rams, they handled their business. They, they, they played against the, the Bucks. They did it on defense. They did it on offense. Um, the Bucks just weren't ready to respond. Uh, unfortunately, too many injuries, too many guys, too many playmakers just weren't available. Um, for Tom Brady to have like a positive effect on that game and actually like be able to make a difference. Uh, Cooper cup shown Odell Beckham still having like a great impact on this game, on this game. Um, unfortunately the running game wasn't as prolific as it was in their last game. So it, it wasn't as impressive, but I mean, uh, Stafford was great, great energy. I think they, there's a clip that I saw about how he rushed down the line to uh to stop the clock for the final field goal for the game winning field goal and uh, they showed a clip of how he did that with the Lions he ended up sneaking in a, a a QB sneak for a touchdown and that's great energy that's that's like playoff energy like they're showing that they're ready they're here the Rams have been wrapping themselves up for this game or I mean for the, for these games to get themselves to the Super Bowl to be able to host the Super Bowl at their home uh, and I think there is really likely they can do they have one more obstacle to get there. Uh, the 49ers, a very real obstacle, obviously. We could talk about that further. Uh, but they've definitely shown throughout the season and in the playoffs that they're ready for this, and they, they're they trying to go all the way. So I'm really excited to see them. I'm really excited to see what their offense does because it's astounding. Their defense is cutthroat. They make quarterbacks look crazy. But, like, Tom Brady had no response for that pass rush. And, uh, yeah, I think the Rams are going to go all the way. Yeah, that would be the second straight season if for a winning team to host the Super Bowl and or win it in SoFi Stadium, which is an amazing stadium. It looks amazing, all the graphics and all the camera work that I've seen there and across social media like TikTok and Instagram, seeing so many people film there. Great energy in that stadium, and what a great win. I mean, we did call it. Uh, Nick, you had the Bucks in that game or the Rams? Yeah, I was I was 0-4 uh, this weekend, which I haven't mentioned yet. But uh, I missed on every single game. So, yeah, I had the Bucks, which almost came true, right, after coming back from 27-3. But uh, Cooper Cup and uh, Matthew Stafford saved the day. But, yeah, what a game by uh, both of them. Matthew Stafford just looks unbelievable in L.A. and has really found a new home here. But in the case of Tom Brady, I don't think he retires, and I think he tries to have – a last dance season, probably next season. Or will attempt to. Yeah, the, the Rams, man, they're, they're looking like the, the new Super Bowl contenders. Um, and, I mean, that, that was their goal. I mean, it's, it's every team's goal, but especially with the Rams, considering, you know, the ballsy moves that they made in this offseason. Uh, the night before the Super Bowl, they, they traded for Matthew Stafford. You know, they, they really felt like they had to upgrade their quarterback position in order to win another Super Bowl. Um, of course, they, they signed OBJ, and his career has been revitalized. Uh, and then they traded for Von Miller also. They just said, screw those picks, you know, and it's been working out really well for them. Um, and, yeah, the, they will be the second – will probably be the second team in a row to play a Super Bowl at their home stadium which is just absolutely wild to me. Um, and meanwhile, the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, um, it, it's going to be really interesting for them. Uh, th this could be the end of the road for Tom Brady. 
I, I heard a little snippet from his podcast uh, earlier today where he was kind of talking and he was like, you know, my, my wife really hates seeing me take all these hits on the field. You, you know, I, I really want to be there for her and my kids and, and whatnot. And he, he's just talking like someone who's, who's already retired. And, you know, the old adage is, you know, what, once you've started to think about retirement, you're already retired. Um, I mean, of, of course, there's there's been a couple guys in this league, most notably Brett Favre, that have, you know, uh, retired and then not retired and, and whatnot, or at least have thought about it a bunch. But, you know, at this point in Tom Brady's career, he, he doesn't really have all that much to prove. You know, he won six Super Bowls in New England. He already won one last year in Tampa Bay. You know, I think it just might be the end of the road for Brady, you know, just become a family man. I wouldn't blame him. You know, you have a long life to worry about. You have kids to worry about. And, you know, you got to think about all the hits you've already taken and 20 plus years of playing football. And uh, those are all considerations he's going to have to make. Um, you know, you went down to Tampa, you've got yourself another ring. You proved you could win without Bill Belichick. There really is nothing else to prove. I mean, he's won everything that you could want to win multiple times over. Um, and we'll just see if he thinks he has enough left in the tank, um, then he might give it one more go around just to have a good buy tour. Um, like what you think about this year would have been perfect as well because, you know, he went to New England. He played there, um, which I feel like for him almost was his career coming full circle because you could tell how much that game in particular meant to him back in was a week Four, I believe it was. And, uh, you know, uh, if it is the end of the road, then he's obviously had an incredible career. Of course, I know we like to bash him sometimes because we're not fans of his <laughs> style of play. But, I mean, he, the results still speak for themselves, you know, in terms of all the stats. And, you know, I mean, in this game, you know, even though he didn't play well, in my opinion, he's he never gave up. He continued to fight. And, obviously, he had that nice deep ball to Mike Evans to make it a one-score game and really help the team rally. And when you have Tom Brady, um, you're never completely out of it. And, of course, the Rams, they did their best to try to gift him one more comeback. I mean, they had four fumbles in this game and a short 47-yard field goal by Matt Gay. I mean, how – okay, just think about this. It was perfect weather in Florida. How do you hit the ball short if you're an NFL kicker? Uh, just, just not good enough. Um, and I just think that um, there's so much drive left in him to play one more season, sort of like a Michael Jordan, just to go out on top as the GOAT. I, he put up MVP-like numbers this season. I understand Aaron Rodgers has won different MVP awards, but not the official ones that I think come out before the Super Bowl. But uh, I think he has one more left in him to throw for over 5,000 yards, 40-plus touchdowns. The guy... He just get he got better with age pretty much, and I think if his team was fully healthy, we could have maybe had a different result. Yeah, well, Minecraft Samurai says that his dad thinks Tom Brady is not the goat. Uh, what's your take? You know, your dad is I'll right. Say, <laughs> yeah, well, I'll say this in terms. I think of being a pure QB. I, I, I don't. Uh, I wouldn't say like he's my favorite quarterback ever to watch, but I mean the stats speak for themselves. I mean quarterbacks are not a win stat. Wins are not a quarterback stat, so we do have to remember that. Um, but 
at the same right. time, you know, just in terms of pure accomplishments, I mean, it's really hard to argue against that. But I'll say this. I think Mahomes has an excellent chance of uh, of, of potentially challenging that title. Well, uh, on the topic of Tom Brady, uh, I don't, I don't know how much we expect him to come back. I mean, I think kind of like Leon said, he's got a lot of fuel in the tank. He still, he can still do it, but you have to think about the team composition. So the Bucks was, it was a team that prided itself on bringing all the starters again for another year to to repeat. Like that was that was like the mantra. Like we got all our guys back. We're gonna do this again because it's completely repeatable. We have the magic mix. We we got this. Their defense was injured during the season. They had a lot of injuries during the game. Obviously, Antonio Brown blew up and, and just abandoned the team, or at least during a game. So they obviously don't have that magic mix anymore, you know. So it's similar to, like, Aaron Rodgers. Does he want to be around for a rebuild with the Bucks? Does he really want to go to another team, deal with a different coach, learn a different game, or try to be his own offensive coordinator and try to, like, take over the offense? Because – I don't think the Bucks are going to do the same, pull the same stunt where they sign everybody and say, hey, everybody has this value and we're going to do it again because we can because they obviously couldn't. So I think that it's going to be a big factor on whether Tom Brady retires or not because he's going to have to either find a new team that's competitive or somehow talk the Bucks into trying to be competitive again next year, you know, and bet on how old is he going to be next year, 44? I mean, five, I think. every year that bet gets harder to make. It doesn't matter how much better he is, but when you're there and you're saying, hey, how much am I going to pay this quarterback to lead my team and not take a step back and invest in the future when I can or when I think it probably makes more sense, you know? So that would be interesting to see. Yeah, and I'll say this too on on the Rams side of this with Coach Matthew Stafford. This was the biggest moment of his entire Mm -hmm. career. Um, That play that he made right at the end to Cooper Cup, and I'm going to make this point. I'm curious what you all think about this. Cooper Cup for MVP. I mean, yeah, I I really do think that the impact that he has had is... Agreed. Yeah. So, as the Beast Vids think that the 49ers, he he hopes the 49ers lose to the Rams. All right. So, he's rooting for the Rams. And Minecraft Samurai thinks that the Rams, as he calls them, the Whams, are going to win it all. But... Yeah, so we got two uh, people here, two of our viewers rooting for the Los Angeles Rams. But we're going to talk about that game here in a little bit. But let me get into my final take here. Um, It's time to do a eulogy of my own, I guess, for the Tennessee Titans. I don't have any music prepared, but I'll press forward nevertheless. So I'll start off with just the season as a whole. This was... A season that probably shouldn't have happened the way it did. But it's, in many ways, I'm grateful for it, the way it played out, right? Because the Titans, heading into the season, there's this fierce debate whether or not the Colts were going to overtake him for the AFC South. They brought in Carson Wentz, and we're thinking, okay, is that enough to put the Colts over the Titans? And, you know, week one, they come out, get smashed by the Cardinals 38-13. to 13. But... um from there, the Titans played really good football. They got on a roll. They beat the Bills, the Chiefs, and a lot of really good teams back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. 
and they were really rolling. But then Derrick Henry goes down, and a lot of other players go down. You know, the Titans set a record this year for the most players played in a single season, 92. Um, most teams in that situation don't have a winner record when you have that much turnover. But Mike Vrabel uh, kept this team together uh, throughout the year, which yeah, it's a commendable job. And I still think, despite the losses weekend, he should be coach of the year, at least in my opinion. And, you know, probably the number one most encouraging thing is the defense. The defense was horrible in 2020, but it turned around this year. Um, a lot of the additions that they made in the secondary on the defensive line were absolutely crucial. Jeffrey Simmons was robbed of a Pro Bowl spot, of a first-team All-Pro spot. He had three sacks on Saturday, um, was dominant this entire year, and I hope starting next year, Jeffrey Simmons will get the praise that he deserves. You know, Byron, of course, was amazing on the back end. Harold Landry has been very fantastic throughout this entire year. And, you know, just it was just a solid team. You know, Deontay Foreman came in and was able to pick up the load from Derrick Henry very well. Of course, A.J. Brown, whenever he was healthy, was doing A.J. Brown things. And Ryan Tannehill was up and down throughout the year, but played well when he needed to to help the Titans get that one set at 12-5. and five. And with that last fact, it, it makes this loss on Saturday to the Bengals all the more just heartbreaking and kind of painful because I, I really wanted to believe in Ryan Tannehill. I, you know, if you watched our TikTok on Thursday, I, I made it talk about the free keys for the Titans to beat the Bengals. I said that feed Derrick Henry. So they gave the ball 21 times. So they did that. Unfortunately, Derrick Henry wasn't 100% because he, you know, obviously he's not completely holding from that foot injury. Probably came back too soon, but obviously he wanted to be here for the playoffs. Unfortunately, I don't think he was the best running back available for the Titans on Saturday, which, which is crazy to say. But Deontay Foreman was way more productive on the touches that he got and should have gotten more of the touches. But, you know, Derrick Henry was going to get those touches because, you know, there's always a thought of he's going to break out in the fourth quarter. Just it didn't happen, though, in this game. Two. You got to slow down Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. Try to slow down Joe Mixon. Now, Mixon, um, he did play very well. He did have a touchdown run. He was running the ball effectively. But the defensive line got to Joe Burrow nine times. Jamar Chase, I think, only had like four catches in this game. Yeah, he burned us on a 70-yard screen. But otherwise, he really didn't do as much as I was worried he was going to do. Like, if you had given me the stat lines that you'd given me, I thought we were gonna we would have won pretty easily. Just, just being honest here, especially getting Joe Burrow to the ground nine times. Um, but this whole game, um, lays unfortunately at the hands of Todd Downing, the offensive coordinator for the Tennessee Titans and Ryan Tannehill, you know, Tannehill threw three just brutal interceptions, you know, first play of the game, um, throws it to Julio Jones late. It gets picked off second interception. He tries to throw a screen, throws it too low. It gets tipped up and the Bengals defender makes an incredible play. The third interception and, and this one, too, also goes to Dodd Downing because, okay, you traded for Julio Jones, right, in the offseason to have him in for these moments when you're tied late in the playoff game because last year when you're trying to come back against the Ravens, the Ravens were blanking on A.J. Brown because they were the only receiver that anyone cared about. Instead, Julio Jones is not on the field on third and five with 40 seconds left. So Ryan Tannehill decides to throw into triple coverage. 
to Nick Westbrook or Keon, who's had his moments this year. But he should not be your target in that situation, especially when he's triple covered by the Bengals. Why Ryan Tannehill made that throw, I'll never know. And then additionally, back to Todd Downing on the possession before, third and one, ball at the Bengals 40. You're driving. You're having an amazing drive. A.J. Brown just got hit for like a 45-yard gain. You're third and one. What do you do when you have Derek Henry? You decide to run like an option up the middle, which gets stuffed. So it's fourth and one. And then you run the most obvious halfback dive up the middle. They also get stuffed. What in the world were those play calls? You know, and, and the Chiefs had like a similar moment in their game against the Bills where like they had a third down and tried running a really weird option play and took the ball out of the hands of Patrick Mahomes. And unfortunately, and you know, for them it didn't backfire, but for the Titans, this absolutely backfired because the Titans were never close again to scoring in the game. Uh, the play calling at, at certain points, just really stupid. I mean, like, for example, you know, the Titans get their first touchdown. You, because of a penalty that the Bengals had, you decide to go for two, which makes no sense in that context. And I understand you only had a yard at that moment. But take the point, you'd be up 7-6, and at the end of the game, you'd be up 17-16. to And then you could just try to run out the clock instead of having, you know, being tempted to try to go down and win the game because it's 16-16, and... You know, Ryan had a little froze, the game winning interception. So, where do the Titans go from here? You know, the defense is still mostly going to be here. These are mostly young guys, and then they're going to be really good. So, you got Derrick Henry, you're going to have AJ Brown, Julio Jones. You have those guys. And of course, Ryan Tannehill is still on contract. But, you know, I was watching that Bills Chiefs game, just watching Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes go back and forth, back and forth. And I sat there, and honestly, I felt somewhat better about the fact the Titans lost. I'm just like, I don't know if we... I mean, even though I know the Titans beat the Bills and the Chiefs earlier this year, and they beat the Chiefs handily, those two teams were way different now than they were then. And let's just be honest. In the playoff game, do I really trust Ryan Tannehill to outplay Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes? No. And, and that's just the real truth of the matter. And, you know, I know Ryan Tannehill, you know, if we keep him, he's going to do well in the regular season. But he's not going to get us to the promised land, especially in this conference when you have so many great quarterbacks. So, but at the end of the day, what do you do? Do you try to make a run at Aaron Rodgers? Do you try to make a run for Russell Wilson? Deshaun Watson? I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if you really can afford to. Do you want to sell the future to try to do that? Do you feel like you have a two- to three-year window if you're Tennessee to make a run at that Super Bowl because you don't know how much longer Derrick Henry is going to be elite. You don't know if the injury that he sustained this year is the beginning of the downfall, you know, but you still have a lot of other great talent otherwise that I don't want to waste because, you know, kind of like the Bills, you know, the Titans, we've never won a Super Bowl. Even when the, they were the Oilers in Houston, we never won it. They've only been to the Super Bowl once, you know, and lost by a yard. So it's... It's frustrating because, you know, in one hand, they probably shouldn't have been the one seed. They shouldn't have been in that spot with all the injuries. But at the same time, you got yourself in that spot, and then you couldn't do anything with it. And what's crazy is in the since the Titans moved to Nashville since 1999, they are 6-5 and on the road in the postseason, but 2-4 and four at home, including being 0-3 and 
as the one seed. So in many respects, though, I'm still very proud of what this team did this year. But I am disappointed because I know that really the Bengals didn't really beat the Titans. The Titans beat themselves. And that's just what makes that loss all the more disappointing. I think they would probably go for a quarterback in the draft. I'm not sure first or second round, but I think this team needs another target on the offense. I think they need a wide receiver or a solid tight end. After Jonu Smith left, I remember they even used to have like Delaney Walker who got good on the Titans after the four. Uh, Delaney Walker was their best player for years, uh, at least on offense. So Delaney Walker, Jonu Smith, and I think Jeff Swaim is his name, but they need – they need a bigger target. They definitely need to go after a top prospect. I don't think Julio Jones is the answer in the wide receiver two spot. Sort of in the similar position as A.J. Green. You leave your best team. Injuries uh, just looks like he's going – he's getting older and sort of on a career downfall in a way, but could still put up a 500-yard season. You have to go with wide receiver, tight end, or QB. I think that's what they should focus on in this offseason. Uh, build the O-line more if they want to. But that defense, a lot of guys who I didn't know the names of on that D-line certainly really stuck out to me. Like, I never really heard of Jeffrey Simmons before the season, or maybe I did, or I didn't pay attention. But what a what a player. What a player. Yeah. Um, I mean, Derrick Henry, obviously, I have I have no clue what the future holds for him. Hopefully he doesn't fall off, but – you know, if that that injury ended up kind of ending his peak, you know, that that was one of the greatest running back careers I think any of us have ever seen. You know, just his ability to truck people, send them into space, and just go off on a 65-yard run. Uh, obviously, there was that 99-yard run. He, he did playing the Jaguars a, a couple of years ago. That was awesome. Um, he's he's the centerpiece of that Titans offense. Um, and I think him being limited um, in, you know, in the, the back half of the regular season being injured and not on the field, definitely exposed Ryan Tannehill. Uh, of course, as we all know, he replaced Marcus Mariota and ended up being pretty efficient. I think over 70% completion percentage uh, in the games they played in 2019. Uh, they went on a run to the AFC championship game. He, he got a pretty good extension. Um, and, you know, people thought he, that he was a, a brand new quarterback, you know, no longer Miami Tannehill, uh, kind of bogged down by Adam Gase and the, the Dolphins organization. But now, now we kind of see him for, for what he is. Um, I don't think that he's a top 10 quarterback. I, you know, he's he obviously threw three interceptions in a, a game where it absolutely mattered more than a lot of the other games. He, he threw four picks playing the, the Houston Texans, you know, and he's, he, he's a completely different quarterback when Derrick Henry's off the field and when he's on the field, you know, and you, you know, it, it really, it's concerning for, for the, the Titans future. Um, I think it would be a smart idea to consider uh, drafting a quarterback. Um, part of me doubts that they will, considering they might just be like, oh, it's just a couple games. We'll we'll get Derrick Henry back uh, 100% next season, and then we can run it back. I really don't believe that Ryan Tannehill can 
help the Titans get over the hump and win a Super Bowl. Um, but you, you know, it is what it is. It's just that I, I think the Titans, at, at least next year, they'll still be a team that'll that'll win a lot of games in the regular season, uh, kind of feast off a, a relatively weak division. You know, considering that they play the Jaguars and the Texans twice each. Um, and then we, we don't even know what the Colts will be next year. And man, I, yeah, they, they, they just don't have that high of a ceiling, you know, they'll, they'll win a lot of games. Like I said earlier, they, they'll probably win their division. They'll have a good chance, but you know, when it really matters, they'll, people will see them for who they really are. And I mean, all credit to, to Mike Frable, you know, like Nick said, I, I think a, a very good candidate for coach of the year, considering how many starting guys that he had on there. I think he's, they, they started a, about like over 80 different people um, o- over the course of this regular season, you know? So, you know, that, that, that takes a lot of a grit and toughness and, you know, being able to adjust on the fly. So that, that, that's a great leader and a great coach. Uh, definitely perfect for the Titans identity, but you know, it's, I just don't, see too much success at least in terms of january football for them in the future um yeah i don't i don't know so much about like kind of like what you said nick where what do they do next year in the sense of like i don't know if they remain competitive next year i think kind of like how we said like Vrabel was a really good coach because we didn't expect this team to be this good um there's a lot of weaknesses that we saw in this game and weaknesses that we've seen throughout the season. I mean, their their defense was awesome. They got to they got to Joe Burrow a lot. We got nine sacks on them. They they definitely their defense did their part. Their secondary was obviously weak. Whenever Burrow could get a throw out, he would throw a deep. Jamar Chase was really involved. T. Higgins was really involved. Um, Zoma was really involved. So it's like you think about, okay, so they're not really good at, at, at quarterback. It's hard to bet on a running back, especially after an injury year. You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but they had really capable running backs behind them, like you mentioned, like Deontay Foreman actually stepped up during the season. He actually handled his business. And that seemed to fit kind of like the character of who the Titans wanted to be this season, which was a running team, game manager, quarterback. Um, but we saw their weaknesses as wide receiver. A.J. Brown still doesn't have a proper compliment at Julio Jones. Uh, Holy Jones didn't work out the way we wanted him to. He was always hurt. He was as explosive as we expected him to be. So we definitely need to think about somebody there. So there's definitely pieces that in, in terms of at least the offense that this team needs to focus on. And I don't know that it's like they're an automatic, hey, let's be competitive next year kind of team and let's go for a Super Bowl. Let's see if we can make it to the ship kind of thing. They might they might take a step back and, and see what they can change in terms of like preparing for the future as opposed to, Hey, let's, let's make another run next year. Kind of at least what I saw this season. I don't think they're, they were built that way. They made it a lot further than I expected to see them go this season. Yeah. I think a lot of it too comes down to what the Colts do. Cause I know a lot of them want to replace Carson Wentz. We'll see if the GM seals the same, but I know Jim Ursay has been saying a lot of cryptic things recently about their quarterback situation. And even though I think they were going to give Carson Wentz a second year, I think maybe the debacle in week 18 at Jacksonville changed some minds in that front That's office. But, yeah, or is it wasn't but, wrong, though. It makes perfect sense. Defenses, if they keep you under 30 and your offense can score over 30, 
you, it's, it was it was almost like easy math. <laughs> you just wrote yeah. it out on words. But yeah. yeah, I think it'll be a good race in the AFC South next year. I don't know right now who I pick. A lot of it's going to depend on the off season and really what the quarterback. If both quarterbacks are still the same, I'm still riding with the Titans because as inconsistent as Tannehill is, I still think overall he is better than once. Just just in my personal opinion. I mean, obviously when it comes to the big big moments, I don't trust either one of them. But you know that's you're necessarily either here or there. Um, and at the end of the day, I, I do ultimately expect Tanner Hill to still be the starting quarterback. And honestly, what it feels like, it feels like the Chiefs when they had Alex Smith, right? So they had some really talented teams, but you knew deep down they just really weren't ever going to be that be able to do what they needed to do in January. That didn't happen until they got Patrick Mahomes. So that's what I feel like. Which, on the one hand, you know, I'm grateful. To be out of the days of when the Titans were winning two to three games a year with Charlie Whitehurst starting at quarterback by the end of the season, and like there being ten people in Nissan Stadium, you know, because th- those are painful memories. And I know Connor, you've watched a ton of bad Bills teams too, so I'm glad that our teams are here in the playoffs. But man, you know, I don't know what. Uh, it's definitely having suffering heartbreak and playoff losses is better than just being terrible, but. You know, at, at least for the Bills, I see a path for them to a championship. I don't know if I see the same thing for the Titans. And, um, yeah, someone claims that the Bills are kind of washed, like my dishes in Greece, which I definitely don't agree with that comment from Big Rupert. Uh, the Bills are definitely not washed. They're not like the Steelers, at least in playing Roethlisberger. I can see the anger on uh, Connor's face just hearing that comment, <laughs> reading it. Yeah, just uh, incorrect. Okay, all right. Now, number one, I'm Big Rupert. That's the username that you picked. That's <laughs> that just sounds so weird. Number two, you're a troll. You don't know football. Yeah, that's all I gotta say. Josh, I'm I will say this. Uh... You tell him. Yeah. You tell him, Connor. Josh Allen is elite. I actually wanted to bring up a, a quick topic from you were talking about the AFC South. Davis Mills, I wouldn't really sleep on him for next season because he might have some development. I don't think uh, the Texans will be anywhere near the Colts or the Titans in terms of uh, being champions of the AFC South, but uh, I don't think they're going to be drafting a new QB next year. I think they're definitely going to go for one of the DN, pro- DN prospects. Yeah. The Bill no, uh, the the Rupert sh- is still talking. Come on the show since you know so much about football, big Rupert. Yeah. Who, For those of you just listening, he says the Bills are so good they blew a lead with 13 seconds left. How much would right, he's a Jets fan? Yeah, yeah. He oh my Jets God. Fan. Yo, yeah. I, I can see it. Jets, yo, Patriots fan, probably. Yeah. Or, or a Steelers fan. Well, at least the, if he's a Patriots fan, he's actually seen his team win Super Bowls. But if he's a Jets fan, that'd be really sad. Yeah, but if you're a Patriots fan, you're also bitter because we, we just clowned y'all in the playoffs. Right. Uh, I'll be curious to see where that uh, saga goes uh, yeah. from here from Big Rupert. Um, but we didn't really even talk about the Bengals that much because we definitely – there was central on the Titans. Um, you know, offensive line clearly is a significant issue, but you do have to admire the composure of Joe Burrow. He was still free for over 300 yards in this game, made some game-winning throws to put Evan McPherson, who is probably one of the most clutch players in this entire playoffs. Uh, they call him Money Mac. He's actually from right down the road here in Fort Payne, Alabama, just in, in the far northeastern Alabama 
about an hour southwest of Chattanooga. And because it's been on the local news here all week, talking about Money Mac and him being back in high school and stuff with Florida. Uh, but he's like, what, eight and eight this postseason? Just unbelievable. Like, I knew as soon as they crossed into field goal territory that uh, this game was done. Uh, just because he is just that good of a kicker. Uh, one of my friends I was talking to during the game was saying that uh, he's to him, he's basically baby Justin Tucker. And he might be that good. But, um, you know, obviously we're going to get to Bengals Chiefs here in a minute. So I guess we could leave the Bengals talk for that. But, I mean, it's just it, it is one of the best turnaround Cinderella stories I've seen in a very long time to go from just abject disaster I mean, two years ago, they were starting um, – God, who was it? There was some dude from NC State that they were starting. And it was like TJ Finley, I think. They were starting at points in the 20 uh, – Ryan Finley. My Ryan Finley, there you go, the 2019 season. And they were just horrible. And now two years later, they're here in the AFC title game. Just an unreal turnaround. Yeah, Um absolutely crazy way to you know kind of change a lot of narratives about Cincinnati you know they haven't won a playoff game since 1990 it was longer than the Detroit Lions at this point now they hold the record for longest playoff win drought in the NFL and you know they're they're going to the AFC championship game when all they knew prior to this for the most part was just like you know some really good players on their team you know uh, Ocho Cinco Carson Palmer um AJ Green, you know, um, but, you know, those Marvin Lewis years, they, you know, they, they go to the playoffs a, a bit and then they just choke in the wild card round, you know? So it, it's kind of a similar uh, evolution from, you know, the, the Bills back then, Bills now, Titans back then, Titans now, and, you know, now the, the Cincinnati Bengals um, from the early 2000s to now. You know, it's it's really cool to see all these teams that were kind of just known for for just being there in in the league, being mediocre, to now being you know real Super Bowl contenders. Uh, it, and I, it's great to see. Uh, I'm really happy for that fan base. Yeah, so we'll definitely get more to the Bengals here in just a moment. But first, I'm going to kick it back to Oscar to talk about some of the key injuries to watch for in the championship uh, conference championship weekend. All right. Thank you, Nick. Uh, well, there's not so many, I mean, all these injuries are actually, they're, they're all consequential. So the chiefs were starting off with Kansas city. They lost safety, Terry on Matthew with a concussion. Uh, he's going to go through a protocol this week. Uh, hopefully he gets to play. Um, obviously we saw that their defense was a big, was a big problem. They missed him in that game. They're going to need him. Uh, Bengals tackled Josh Tupo. Uh He managed just about five snaps during this game before he suffered from a knee injury as well. Again, we saw Joe Burrow needing his tackle there. He got sacked nine times. Uh, nothing yet on whether he's going to play this week, but we'll keep an eye on that. And with the 49ers, left tackle Trent Williams suffered a right ankle um, as well. Big piece of this uh, the offensive line. And hopefully those guys will be able to come back. A big key return actually coming back this week is left tackle for the Rams, uh, Andrew Whitworth. Uh, his replacement, I forget his name actually, he was a good was a good uh, fill-in, but uh, Andrew Whitworth could probably be a big difference maker in an already explosive offense and very successful offense coming into this weekend. Any guys you guys picked up and you guys noticed uh, 
that could be a big difference this week? Uh, yeah, I think uh, Kittle and Debo Samuel, they both went down late in the game. Really? So depending on that injury report, it's definitely going to alter how I predict uh, this upcoming N- NFC championship game. Thanks, bro. Yeah, I think otherwise it was a pretty clean weekend, all things considering. Uh, so yeah. thank you, though, for the injury report. And we'll definitely kind of keep that in mind as we begin our discussions of the conference title games. So I'm going to share my screen here. And we're going to kind of go in order of the games there. Play. So the first one is going to be the AFC title game. It's the Kansas City or Cincinnati Bengals at the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, right now, the spread is Chiefs minus seven. Uh, minus three, 33 to win. The Bengals are plus 260. And the over-under, according to Fox, is 54. So, guys, what do we think here about this AFC title game? Of course, the Cincinnati Bengals, upstart team, weren't supposed to be here, but they found a, they found their way here. Of course, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase have been electric all year. They beat the Chiefs a couple of weeks ago, actually, um, to put themselves in this position. Uh, meanwhile, the Kansas City Chiefs, of course, outlasted the Bills. Um, they, they had a really worth, a really rough start to this year. They're they're three and four at one point, but they really got it going. They really got it together. If it wasn't for that late season loss to the Bengals, they would have been the one seed. Um, you know what are we thinking here about the Bengals and the Chiefs? I I can't pick the Bengals in this one. Uh, on it. <laughs> Like, uh, I'm just going to get that out of the way. E- even though they did beat the Chiefs in a, in a pretty close game, I think about three weeks ago in the regular season, you know, which which was a great game, uh, obviously. Um, I, I just, after that, pretty much the AFC Championship game, if we're, if we're being honest here, you know, between the Buffalo Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, I just don't see the Bengals winning. Like, it, especially considering – how badly their O-line played, like nine sacks. Like you, you can get away with that when Ryan Tannehill is on the other side of the field throwing three picks. But, you, you know, when you got Patrick Mahomes on the other side, mm, I, I just, yeah. And I, I honestly think that the Chiefs would cover also. But uh, what, what do you guys think about this matchup? I think the Bengals are playing with house money. Kind of like what I said last week, like they are the guys who have nothing to lose. Pressure is on Patrick Mahomes. Pressure is on the Chiefs to perform. Uh, Bengals are just there to have fun. They have their key players are rookies. You got Jamar Chase first year making it to the championship. You got Evan McPherson playing like like a wily veteran. Like, all right, who's going to ice me because I'm ready for this scoring four field goals. These guys are like clutch. They're playing like they're they're meant to be here. Um, I think I think the biggest weakness for for the Chiefs was defense um, in their last game, and uh, the biggest one of the biggest hurdles for for uh, for Burrow was protection, nine sacks, and they were still able to overcome and have an expl- big explosive offense, show what they could do. Their wide receiver group they did great uh, with Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, tight end C.J. Ozuna also got in in the game. Uh, Joe Mixon wasn't as effective. Um, in, the, in in this past weekend, but I think he can, and he is also like that 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 receiving running back, which gives you that other kind of wrinkle to your offense. Um, I think 
I think the Chiefs, obviously, like we said, their their offense has figured it out. They kind of had a rough start. They won a couple ugly games, but they still won. Um, it'll be interesting to see. I definitely don't think they cover uh, the Chiefs, not after the game the Bengals had, um, and definitely not the game after the Chiefs have. I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think the Bengals' defense is a lot better than the Bills' defense. Sorry, Connor. Um, but I think they'll make it, they'll keep it a little closer than that. Um, and they might actually go under, I think, the 50 points that that they might that they're, they're projected to go as well really wow i don't know you guys both have really uh great uh predictions one uh connor influenced me one way oscar influenced me the other way but <laughs> it's the power have, of debate <laughs> i have to go with Bengals plus seven but i think Jeez. the chiefs win and i think it would be an over i forgot who brought this up the other week but uh, whenever we saw this matchup, uh, so, someone on the podcast brought up how like the Bengals would have to basically make it a shootout and able to 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 win. But I just have to go with the Chiefs this time. The Chiefs are at home. Patrick Mahomes uh, for I think it's a record fourth straight time they've hosted an AFC Championship game. I think we'll see him back in the Super Bowl for a third straight year. So I'm gonna go with the Chiefs on this, but I don't think the Chiefs cover but I'll take the over on this too. Yeah, so I'm definitely taking the Chiefs to cover here. I mean, that, I mean the Bengals have had an amazing season, uh, an amazing turnaround, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And I think they're going to score. And I agree with Leon. I think this is going to be the over here. I just – Patrick Mahomes right now in the playoffs is just – he's too much. I mean, you saw what he did against Pittsburgh, five touchdowns in ten minutes. You saw what he's able to do leading two – Really free game winning slash tying drives right there at the end against the Bills. Um, you know, playoff Patrick Mahomes is insane. Like, I think in all those non Super Bowl playoff games, he has something like 24 touchdowns and one interception. I mean, it's unreal what this man is doing in the playoffs. Um, he, he, he's just, he is, you know, on pa- pace to be potentially the best playoff quarterback of all time. And, you know, I mean, Joe Burrow obviously has played well so far, but I just don't think they have enough yet to hang with the Chiefs in Arrowhead in a playoff game. Of course, Mike, the situation uh, says Jamar Jamar Chase is masterclass, and I absolutely agree with that. Jamar Chase is has the potential to be one of the best receivers of this generation. Um, He's He's already one of the best receivers in the game. And I do think that Burrow and Chase combined have the chance, the ability to be one of the top five quarterback receiver duos ever. Like, I really do think that's a possibility. Like, the modern-day Montana Rice, potentially, uh, with those two. But they're still very young. And I think the Chiefs win this thing, like, 42-28. to Because I'll say this, the Chiefs defense to me is nowhere near as good as the Titans. I think the Bengals have way more success. But on the, on the flip side, as Connor said, Patrick Mahomes is way better than the right. And Tannehill, he's going to score a lot of points and really, um, I think, take care of this game. But it's still an excellent season for the Cincinnati Bengals. But I think the Chiefs are going to their third straight Super Bowl, which actually would be the first time since the Patriots did it right before then, from 2016 to 2018. So that'd be in two in six years, only two teams in the AFC will have gone to the Super Bowl, which is really crazy. With all the teams that have come and gone in the AFC, it's really hard to dethrone the King. I just think that one more thing, like because he brought up a Jamar Chase masterclass. We saw Justin Jefferson's rookie season. 
And you you honestly think with 1,400 yards, how could somebody top that? But Jamar Chase follows it up with this performance. I mean, just unbelievable. Maybe he will be the best receiver in the NFL after season two and season three. Yeah, especially with the connection that he has with Joe Burrow. And I bet Justin, uh, Justin Jefferson wishes he also was playing with Joe Burrow. Just because Joe Burrow is one of the most calm and collected and you know the Bengals are going to come into Arrowhead thinking they have a great shot of winning just because that's what Joe Burrow alludes. That is his aura. He expects to win. He is a winner. And uh, some quarterbacks just have that to them. They have that moxie. They have that swagger. Burrow has it. But I do think that he has a little bit more to learn as um, – I forget what franchise said that. But anyway, we're all going with the Chiefs over the Bengals. Um, I think Oscar is actually taking the Bengals to cover the spread, but the Chiefs to ultimately win. I'm All with right. you, Oscar. I think that's likely. But I think the Bengals already beat the Chiefs at home. I mean, on the road at the Chiefs' home. Just saying. They did, I think they actually won in Cincinnati, I think. Because I remember it was the same day I went to the Dolphins-Titans game. That was no, I think, yeah, I think Cincinnati was at home. They weren't, I remember they were winning uh, their home, yeah, it, it was a home game, yeah. And it's just it's really uh, hard to win an arrowhead, in my opinion, uh, in the postseason. Oh, yeah, but it's not impossible. I like, I wouldn't be surprised if the Bengals won because this nothing will surprise me anymore in this season. Like, this is the craziest NFL season, I think, of all time. Which stadium is the, is the Chief Stadium, Paul Brown? No, the Paul Brown, no. Cincinnati. Oh, Paul Brown, Cincinnati. Arrowhead. Arrowhead is the Chiefs Stadium. Yeah, well, I think technically it's, it's like Jihad. I think yeah. technically it's like Jihad Field now or something, but you know, no one calls it that because we don't care about corporations here on this show, which will probably come back yeah, back to buy us when in ten years we're owned by ESPN or something. But you know, sponsored by Manscaped. Um, yeah. but but one one more point that I want to bring up: Josh Allen. Josh Allen played a masterclass. Him and Gabe Davis. The, the other day in Arrowhead, and they still didn't win. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with Oscar's point that the, the the Bengals' defense, at least in terms of their, their D-line, is probably better than, than the Bills, for sure. Um, but, you, you know, you can't really neutralize Mahomes that much, you know, especially with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey, you know? So, I, I just don't really see a way that, that the, the Bengals realistically win this game. It, it would be really cool to see a Jamar Chase masterclass. Uh, that dude's an absolute stud. Him and Joe Burrow, Evan McPherson, bro. Like, man, that, that Bengals team is awesome. But, yeah, I, I think it's the Chiefs will repeat for, I think, the third year in a row now as AFC champions. I also think it's really good how you can get the – if you can get the ball halfway down the field, you can almost guarantee three points with Evan McPherson. I think that's that takes a lot of pressure off of anybody. I think any quarterback, like, hey, I just got to get it that far, and at least to have a successful drive. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that definitely could be a mass part. And that's almost what cost the Chiefs the other day was Harrison Bucker missing an extra point and a field goal in that game because he redeemed himself at the end. But still, that was kind of unusual for Harrison Bucker because he's usually pretty automatic as the Chiefs kicker. So, you know. We'll see what happens. And that'll be the last outdoor game of the year 
as the remaining two games afterwards, both the NFC title game and the Super Bowl, will be held indoors in sunny South Los Angeles. But as we have an all-Golden State matchup here, San Francisco 49ers, Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the 49ers actually swept this NFC West series this year. Uh, the Ram- 49ers destroyed the Rams 31-7 on the Monday Night Football game. They actually, I think, I covered for our TikTok. And then in Week 18, the Rams had a 17-0 lead but blew it as the 49ers came back and won 27-24 in overtime, which clinched their playoff spot, which has then led them to their wins over Dallas and Green Bay to get to this position. Uh, obviously, Jeremy Garoppolo has been much maligned, much criticized, but he is still fighting. Uh, Matthew Stafford, long time, stuck in the abyss of Detroit. Now a free man in Los Angeles, maybe a game away from reaching the promised land of the Super Bowl, which they would be hosting in Los Angeles. Controversy abounds with the Los Angeles trying to prevent 49ers fans from taking over. Uh, a lot of back and forth between the San Francisco and Los Angeles fans. Those two cities hate each other. You know, Silicon Valley versus Hollywood. NoCal versus SoCal. You know, they're still arguing about the Dodgers-Giants NLDS series where the Giants got screwed over on a bad strike call. You know, so I just say a lot's riding on this game for just the state of California, but really for those 49ers and Rams fans, what do we think? Are the Rams going to get to host the Super Bowl? Or are the Niners going to complete a three-game sweep and be in the Super Bowl as really a Cinderella? And also, since all of us picked the Chiefs, remember, the 49ers and the Chiefs played in the Super Bowl two years ago in Miami. So are we going to see a repeat of that matchup this year? I personally doubt it. Uh, I, I do know that the 49ers swept the Rams in the regular season, but I, you know, with the way that Matt Stafford's been playing the last couple weeks in, in the playoffs, I, I personally believe that he'll continue this hot streak coming into this NFC championship game. He, he's playing at home, which will definitely help him uh, a little bit, at least I'd, I'd like to think. Um, but I, I, Something that I was saying at work earlier when I was talking about this game, I, I think the key factor really is um, will Matt Stafford turn into a pumpkin and throw a bunch of picks? You know, because Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo hasn't been playing that well these past couple weeks, and I don't predict that he'll change that in this game, especially, you know, with Jalen Ramsey covering his number one receiver. You know, he's got – there's Aaron Donald and Vaughn Miller on the Rams D-line. So it, it's going to be pretty tough for him, honestly. Um, yeah, I think it was a, a great run for the 49ers. Um, but I, I think it ends in SoFi Stadium playing the Rams, unless Matt Stafford throws three interceptions. Because um, the, the 49ers, um, from what I've seen, they, they've really just kind of feasted off of the mistakes made by the opposing team. Um, you know, whether that's – the, the the Green Bay Packers and their their special teams laying an absolute egg, um, and their offense not doing so well. Um, I'm not gonna lie, I forget who they played in the wild card round. If one of you could remind me of, of who the 49ers played, uh, they played the Cowboys. Remember, it was Dak running up the field. With oh yeah, left. yeah. Exactly. How did you get that one? MVP Dak. <laughs> MVP that Prescott, that's right. But yeah, the, there was that QB sneak. Um, 
you, you know, Mike McCarthy was the coach on the other side of the field. Um, and it's like the Cowboys. They, they choke in the playoffs like every year they make it there pretty much. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great run. But un- unless Matt Stafford ends up laying an egg, becoming Detroit Stafford, um, I think the Rams win this one. And I did forget to mention, too, that the spread in this game, the Rams are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, they're minus 189 to win. Four Niners are plus 160. And over-under is 46-and-a-half. If you wanted to give those your picks on those. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll pick the Rams with the money line. Um, I might pick the under, honestly. I just don't really trust that San Fran could score too many points unless they solely rely on Debo Samuel and, you know, get some help from Juwan Jennings. Um, you, you know, I, I just – I don't I don't really trust them to, to score a whole lot of points, at least the 49ers. Um, the Rams, I, I don't know if I'd pick them to cover either. It, I think it's, it's definitely possible, but also – you just really don't know with, with Matt Safford. I think I got, I got the ramps. Uh, I think they, I got them winning. I think I have them covering. Yeah. Three and a half. I think it's going to, I think they have a bigger margin than that. I think uh, the Rams have the potential, I think to dominate this game, especially if, I just actually Googled what you told me, Leon, and Debo Samuel was get, did get hurt, held him to the knee. Um, I think he is their most explosive player. He is their most dynamic player. He catches, he runs. Uh, he kind of made his presence felt. The guy ran the ball, caught the ball, returned the ball. He did all those things. He was successful at all those things. He totally changed the momentum of the game. Um, if he can't be that same guy, it's the ramps, you know. We can't. I don't think anybody expects a lot out of Garoppolo coming in here, um, and I don't know that the 49ers defense, just like they stopped the Packers, I don't know if they can necessarily stop the Rams um, as effectively. So I'll be really interested because I think I think the the 49ers being that aggressive towards the Packers and being that effective against Aaron Rodgers, I don't think a lot of us expected it, and. And they're in a game that I, I didn't expect it to be in. I actually expected back Packers to be here versus the Rams. So I don't I don't think the, the 49ers are ready for, for what the Rams have ready for them. Even though they did beat them before, um, just to make it into the playoffs, uh, I'm going Rams. So uh, I don't know. It's just, it's just tough because there's a big part of me that's going to believe that the Rams win, but the 49ers have this momentum. I would mm-hmm. say under – but if Jimmy Garoppolo has a healthy George Kittle and Devo Samuel, uh, guys, I'm going to have to go against you and the whole trend of this entire episode, just disagreeing with everybody here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to do San Francisco 49ers win this game, but I'm going to take the under. I, 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 that momentum, you beat the Cowboys and you beat the Packers, uh, you know, that could really motivate the locker room to pull out a great win in SoFi Stadium. Right. I'll say this too. Kyle Shanahan owns the Rams. Like he has swept them this year. He's beaten them the last six times. And as of Matthew Stafford, the rest of the team, I mean, they almost fell apart and lost the Bucks uh, because of four fumbles. Um, now, granted, I think top 
and top to bottom as well, I will say this. I think the Niners have the better roster. Um, I think when you have, look at guys like Kyle, you know Nick Boza and Fred Warner and uh, Debo Samuel, I, I really do think that uh, that the, the way their coaches use them is more innovative. But I do worry that the difference at quarterback is going to be too much. I think Matthew Stafford is playing in his bag right now. Cooper Cup, as I said earlier, I think it's the MVP. I think this will be an exceptionally tight game. I think it will be a lower scoring-ish game. I think it's going to be like 23-20. So I would go with the under. I guess I think the Niners cover. Um, but the Rams money line, it, it, I don't, in that situation, I do think you have more to gain. If you go with the 49ers money line, just in case there is a fluke, like a, a block punt or something that like we saw last week that could give the 49ers the win. But the Niners have to play a mistake-free football because I don't think they can turn over the ball four times this week and get away with it like they did last week. So I am going to go with the Rams and a very tight one. Would not be shocked whatsoever, though, if the Niners get it done, even though I do think Matthew Stafford is way better than Jimmy Garoppolo. I think Connor made a good point too, where he said like, uh, if if Stafford doesn't ruin it, and there have been times in the season when Sean McVay has uh, has almost made them one dimensional and just wanting to pass the ball and pass the ball and pass the ball, and it's kind of it it's affected the team. So hopefully he he commits a little bit more to the run and and gives them space to actually develop the game and develop the rest of their game because that that is like a significant side effect of of this team. And sometimes that coach just seemed to like, just, Hey, you know what? I have a, I have a pass catch. I have a, I have a, a thrower who can throw and he's a good thrower. He can throw it deep. He can be accurate. Let's trust him. And he almost does it too much. Right. Right. It's, and that's something you have to watch. Cause I remember when the Titans put the Rams, that was a big problem in that game where they they couldn't rely on the running game whatsoever, and Matthew Stafford kind of threw them out of that game. So you got to hope that you will avoid a situation like that if you're the Rams. Like, this game could easily get get bad very quickly for the Rams. Like, if you go in there and start turning over the ball like they have been prone to throughout the year. But with the talent that they have, they should avoid that. But, again, it's just all kinds of things, right? You know, do we see the Packers having all the miscues they had? You know, it's... Football is all about the little things. And the Rams, if they can excel at the little things, they're going to win this football game. Because I feel like the 49ers are going to be pretty good at most of the little things. So that is uh, that. That is my concern about picking the Rams. So I think all but Leon have Rams, Chiefs. Leon has 49ers. And Chiefs, no one took the Beagles. So I, I, I just had a curiosity. Before we head into... Um, our players of the week. Do you have a Super Bowl matchup in particular that you would like to see out of the potential combinations that we have? It would be cool to see the Bengals in the Super Bowl, um, considering their team history and how they haven't been there since I think they played the Niners uh, back, back in the late 80s. Yeah. You know, and Joe Montana uh, and Boomer Siason uh, were both team starting quarterbacks. Um, so I, I think it, it would be cool to see that, um, in kind of like a historic matchup, but personally, I, I would favor a, a Bengals Rams, uh, Super Bowl, uh, Rams coming in, uh, back from 
their their last Super Bowl, I think in 2018 with Jared Goff. You know, they have a quarterback now who can help them score more than three points. So that, that'll help them out quite a bit. <laughs> it's also would be really cool to see Matt Stafford in a Super Bowl, considering that he's he's been in Detroit ever since he got drafted in 2009. Of course, you know, they're, they're the Lions. They, they haven't had any postseason success since 1991. So, you know, it, it would be a, a great kind of part of Matt Stafford's history. Um, and, yeah, it, it would be awesome to, to see the Rams win one or, or the Bengals. Great minds think alike, Connor. I was thinking the exact same thing. Because <laughs> I just want to see a shootout in the Super Bowl. I want to see, like, two teams put up, like, 50 points. And I feel like if that were the Super Bowl – somehow defense wouldn't exist, even though the Rams have a good defense. I just think that a Jamar Chase-Jalen Ramsey matchup would be absolutely insane. Yeah. Yeah. You want to talk about shootout, though. Think about what happened the last time the Rams and the Chiefs played. On that Monday night football game back in, was it 2018, 54-51? We got robbed of that Super Bowl. Um, Hardcore. Um, and I think that would have been one of the greatest Super Bowls ever. And so we were subjected to probably, you know, unless you're a big defense guy, uh, one of the worst Super Bowls ever, in my opinion, between the Rams and the Patriots. Yeah. I want to get, I want to see Sean McVay versus Patrick Mahomes. I want to see Matthew Stafford versus the big dog. Can he take out Mahomes? Because think about what that would do for Stafford's legacy if he could beat Mahomes. I think that would be an insane game. Of course, the Bengals, it would be a fun story. But they would feel so far out of place. I mean, it would just be, you know, insane. Um, in terms of the Niners, um, I don't really want to see Niners Chiefs again. That's probably the one I want to see the least. I don't want to see Niners Chiefs. Because um, I just don't feel like that would end well for the Niners. Niners Bengals would be interesting. Just because that is the only other Super Bowl the Bengals have ever been in. But my vote would be Rams Chiefs. I think mine would be Rams Bengals. Just like Leon and Connor. And I think a lot of it, I mean, there's a lot of like narratives I could come up with in my head, like romanticizing this whole thing. But it's, I mean, you got Bengals, young team. It almost, I think the one that sticks out to me right now thinking about it is like, it's uh, two teams that have benefited from two different strategies from their front office. Like Bengals have tried to draft really, really well, um, get really young talent to try to make this team. Rams are trading, winding and dealing, getting as many players as they can, mortgaging their future. We have to win now. Like we have to get this done. And uh, I think it'd be awesome. One has like so much star power. Like Rams have so much star power on their side. And just like how Nick said, Bengals will be the obvious underdog. Like it will be a classic David and Goliath uh, of the matchups that we can we can come up with from all these four. I think it it would. It would be exciting to see. I think uh, a lot of the other matchups would be a little bit more of the same um, that we may have, we've seen recently. Uh, I think Rams and Bengals, kind of like you said, is a little bit more exciting. I think it 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 might actually uh, it brings the Bengals into that like, hey, as a franchise, we've arrived. Like this is this is what we're doing. Maybe it's a little early. Maybe we we weren't expecting it to happen so soon, but they do have the talent. They have put in the work this season. It'd be it'd be great to see them. If they could follow through, I think they're next yeah. year's Super Bowl champs. That's my prediction. And I'll say this too: I think Stafford v. Burrow would be a huge story here in the South, like because obviously Stafford went to Georgia, Burrow went to LSU. I mean, that would just that would get people down here fired up. Uh, so I would, and plus that would be just a fantastic quarterback matchup. I think those two would light it up against each other. Um, so yeah, I, 
Maybe y'all convinced me. Man, I would rather see Rams Bengals than Rams Chiefs. But <laughs> yeah, that, that that would require us to all be wrong though. And I actually kind of want to get some game predictions right this week because I was zero and four. But hopefully the luck changes. Yeah, <laughs> this week. So watch. So th- congratulations, Bengals and 49ers fans. You're going to the Super Bowl. But let's get into our players of the week. There are four. The divisional round, and I will start with you, Leon. So I'm going to go with the defensive side of the ball in the San Francisco 49ers defensive end, Nick Bosa, two sacks, one forced fumble. He made life miserable for Dennis Kelly, and I think he was a key part of Aaron Rodgers throwing no touchdowns in the game. Rodgers didn't throw an interception in the game, but that defense with Bosa, Armstead, Warner, they were Ambry Thomas, their number one corner, I think, was out with an injury. So we'll see if he returns this week, but... Nick Bosa, game changer, big reason why they won this weekend or uh, this past weekend. Carter, who is your player of the week? All right. So even though he was on the losing team uh, in, in this matchup, I'm going to be talking about wide receiver Gabe Davis uh, coming out party in the league. He he's played pretty well over these past couple of years, but th- this game was just an absolute masterclass best performance by a wide receiver in playoff history in the NFL, eight catches for 201 yards and four touchdowns, 20 yards per, per target. Just, you know, we, we haven't seen anything like that in the playoffs before. What else can I say? Oscar, who is your player of the week? Well, I got uh, Jamar Chase. I think I might have had him last week, too, just repeating it because he just keeps showing up and doing great. Uh, five receptions for 109 yards. He doesn't score a touchdown this game, but uh, he continues to be successful. He continues to get it done. Uh, really exciting player to watch. Bengals is, as a whole uh, are a fun team to watch, so uh, Jamar Chase. It was going to be Debo Samuel, but he got hurt, and then I was rooting for the Bengals. I didn't want to confuse too many people. Right. And I'm going to stick with the Bengals for my players of the week. Um, Evan McPherson, I probably the first time I've ever given it to a kicker, but I think he deserves it. I mean, four of four had two 50 plus yard field goals, but to do that on the road. And if you've never been to Nashville, Nissan Stadium's really right on the Cumberland River. It's very windy in that spot. So for him to be as good as he was in that game is just phenomenal. And, um, you know, obviously it led to my team's demise, but I can't help but to be impressed by it. I think he's going to be a great kicker for years to come. The next Justin Tucker. So congratulations, Bengals fans. You don't have to worry about the field goals for at least a decade, in my opinion. Shout out to Evan McPherson. This week's my player of the week. All right, so before we wrap up here... We're going to wrap, get to some last questions, statements. One thing I wanted to bring up was Sean Payton. Of course, it was announced earlier today that he is resigning, potentially retiring, which they didn't use the word retiring, so he might be open to come back in the past. Just what do we think of Sean Payton's legacy as a head coach for the Saints? You know, Remember, he took over in 2006. So this was right after the Saints got a horrible hand with Hurricane Katrina. The Louis and the Superdome had been destroyed. They had to, well, they went completely destroyed, but they had to, remodel it, get it back up to shape. The city itself had been destroyed. The Saints as an organization were horrible. They had done nothing before he showed up. But then him and Drew Brees show up. They changed the culture immediately, made them competitive year in, year out. And, of course, you know, 2010, they won the Super Bowl, of course. 
Um, you know, Bounty Gate occurred, but still, the championship is the championship, and they were very competitive for the majority of the last 15 years. Uh, so what is our what is the final legacy of Sean Payton, at least as a Saints coach? One of the greatest head coaches of the past 20 years, easily. I mean, like, like you said, Nick, taking over a franchise that hadn't really seen all that much success since the, the basically since it was founded, then bringing in Drew Brees, who, you know, had had some trouble uh, in San Diego. A lot of people just kind of wrote him off, thought he was kind of just mediocre. And now he's home. Now he's a Hall of Famer and a Super Bowl champion. So, you, you know, he brought a lot of success to that franchise. Um, and I, I think Saints fans are, are very appreciative appreciative of that. Uh, I agree with Connor on this. And I think my question for the Saints moving forward, they had, they were five and two with Jameis Winston, I think. And a prediction I have is if they do get a new head coach, how will that change the structure of the offense? Cause I think Winston was finding success at one point be uh two, one seeds in the Packers and the Patriots, whenever they held those uh, seating positions. So I'm very interested in how, uh, they are moving forward. Maybe Sean Payton comes back, but we'll see what happens. But great job as the head coach of the New Orleans Saints. I mean, same thing. I think he did great. I think kind of like how Connor said, like he helped. He helped with that that rebuilding culture of New Orleans after the hurricane. Uh, help with setting that mood is awesome. When they won the Super Bowl, it's great. As is a like really good feel good story. Um, I think one thing, and just to shed a little bit, I guess a little shade on the situation, uh, he kind of left, and it's good for him. I mean, if he does decide to retire where he has a successful career, nobody's asking, hey, is he only successful because of Drew Brees? Nobody has the opportunity to do that, um, which is good for him. I think if he does stay, he he had a rough season. James Winston was hurt. He was trying to make him kind of a project player, try to have success with him. He, get, he gets hurt, doesn't do it. Then he has Taysom Hill. Um which unfortunately for whatever talent he does have and athleticism he does have just didn't pan out. Um, so this, I'm sure this season kind of left a sour taste in his mouth and he's just say probably wants to get, get away from it probably even if he can. So it makes sense, but he had a great career. He had, he was a great time out there in new Orleans and uh, I wish him a lot of success. We'll see what he, what, what his next move is. Yeah. I think the saints are in a similar position as the Packers here. They're over the cap. They're going to have to let some, players go because they have a very good defense but you know obviously the offense is going to need some retooling and i'm very curious to see i you know, obviously you got alvin Kamara is pretty much your only true weapon that you can trust you need to revamp your receiving core um you need to figure out the quarterback is james Winston going to be able to come back and be productive do you want to go in a different direction with that um there's i think a lot of issues that new orleans has to address if they want to be competitive next year um of course, the Tampa, if Tom Brady comes back, they're going to be the favorites again. Atlanta is in a rebuild. Carolina is in a rebuild. You, know, you still have a chance there to be the second-best team in the NFC South. But um, Sean Payton was, I think, the engine behind that. Um, definitely, I think, one of the most underrated coaches because, you know, uh, you, you talk, a lot of people talk about the greatest head coaches ever. I think Payton deserves to be on that list somewhere, maybe not at the very top, but somewhere down maybe in the top 15, 20 of all time for what he was able to do. I mean, really, just from the emotional standpoint, you know, I, I go back and watch that Falcons Saints game from 2006. Sometimes, you know, that that game when they return back to the Superdome and just the energy it brought to that city and that fan base. I mean, it's just um, it, it's incredible, really, what they did for 
those fans. I have, I have family that who are big Saints fans and just they talk about what it meant, you know, after everything that that city and that community went through for that team to bring hope um, and to eventually bring the Super Bowl was just amazing to see. And of course, Viking Saints, you know, obviously the Hunters of Battlegate game it is one of the graceful games I've ever watched. Um, obviously, being able to defeat Brett Favre to get to the Super Bowl uh, was absolutely fantastic. Um, well, you know, it, go ahead. No, go ahead, Nick. I know, I was finished. Uh, yeah. Sorry about that, but I think like just think about the influence he had on that like vertical passing game. Think about how many coaches maybe uh, sort of use that in their game plan, like Andy Reid or Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm to use the running back more as a receiver instead of handing it off as much, rotating players in. And we saw that with Drew Brees. It it wasn't always Marcus Colston or Michael Thomas being the successful one on the team. It was maybe more of like underrated players like Traquan Smith or Devery Henderson or players of the past. So they were just able to fit players in and find success, which is what the Bucs also did earlier this season, what the Chiefs have been able to do. So they've been able to take players who are, are not as big-name players and plug them into those holes and find success in that vertical offensive passing game. I, I, d- I definitely agree with that. You know, I remember how they used Reggie Bush when he came around of college. And Reggie Bush wasn't the ultra-elite running back that a lot of people thought he was going to be in the NFL, but he definitely uh, had his moments with the Saints um, in that passing game. So it, it's, it certainly is a guy that I think no one's going to miss hard. And we'll see if that culture stays. I'll be curious who they get. Because you have to remember, before Sean Payton, the Saints did absolutely nothing. Um, and hopefully, they'll still be able to be competitive in the years to come. All right. Any other th- topics y'all want to touch on before we wrap up? Go Bengals. Good day. Yeah. Well, I- I'm not going to say that, but... Yeah, I do kind of, <laughs> I do, I do kind of hope the Bengals win, but I'm not gonna say who they. Well, I guess I just said it. Oops. But <laughs> maybe anyway. you're foreshadowing it. You're wearing the orange, you know. Well, I'm wearing it for the maybe. Balls, you're the, maybe you're good luck. But yeah, um, too late. It's a Bengals shirt. Hey, probably the first time ever <laughs> I've been upset that a team in orange has won the game. I, I don't know why my team in orange can't win more, but you know that that is what it is. But uh, hey, vaults to the national title next year. Just kidding, not not, not happening. But anyway, for Leon Terion, for Oscar Arango, and Connor Kennedy, my name is Nicholas Hill. Thank you for watching episode twenty of the Interview Podcast. Next week, we'll return with a recap of these conference title games. We'll do a bit of a teaser preview for the Super Bowl because we're going to kind of. Hold off on that a little bit because we're going to really want to do the full preview the week of. Uh, I guess we'll probably do a little something for the Pro Bowl, but I mean, who really cares about the Pro Bowl, right? It's, you know, it is what it is. Uh, we'll, we'll find some other stuff to talk about. We'll probably have some more head coaches and stuff to react to next week. Um, this will be out of the soup of the playoffs, but uh, let's just hope that this weekend of games is just half as interesting as last week. But for all of us here at the Interview Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you again next week. Take care. Oh, God. Oh, Titans always. Let's go Buffalo! Buffalo!